0: This Sunday, I want us to talk about the great gift exchange, the church as a great gift exchange. In 1995, um, the gray wolf was reintroduced to Yellowstone Park. It had been 70 years of um, this gray wolf had not been in the park. They had removed it. It had been hunted out and pushed out and removed so that other animals and things could begin to flourish. But they they found that over time, over that 70 years where there were no wolves in the park, um, there was a negative effect on the environment. And so the scientists knew that these wolves would have an impact on the entire ecology of Yellowstone Park. And so they reintroduced the wolf. And, you know, the wolf is a predator, right? The big, bad wolf. And the wolf, um, they thought, would kill the deer. But it didn't. It actually uh, preyed mainly on coyotes. And so as the coyote population began to lessen, there were more like rabbits and mice in the park. And when those began to increase, then these hawks and, and, and eagles and different kinds of birds began to increase. The deer in the park, the massive elk that you see in this this national park, they had grazed, they'd overpopulated, they had grazed in such a way that all these grasslands were trampled down and they were barren because they'd eaten all the foliage. And as they felt that pressure, they're pushed into the the woods more and their, their traffic patterns changed so that now all the flora and fauna of this park began to grow again the flowers and the trees in fact some trees quadrupled in size in six years and then what happened when the trees began to grow the beavers came back in and they're like ecological engineers and they would you know chew on the trees and they'd build their dams and create these pools and now otters and other animals started to come back into the park the bears came back because the berries were growing again And this entire park shifted to the point that the rivers changed their course because the trees and the plants were growing in such a way that there was less erosion. Now, this one simple action of adding an animal that was always meant to be in that park, when they added that back in, the environment returned to a flourishing state. By simply adding the gray wolf. I, uh, I, I got a book a few years ago. It's um, by Francis Chan. I don't know if you guys have heard of Francis Chan. He's a pastor author. He speaks at a lot of conferences. He's kind of famous in Christian world and he wrote a book called The Forgotten God. And I want to read just a couple excerpts from this introduction of this book. He says, from my perspective, The Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes forgotten. While no evangelical would deny his existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say that they have experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not believe they can. He talks about how the the, the success in church life has been measured really in numbers and in quality of of the production and not on the presence or movement of the Holy Spirit. And then he, he says this. He says, there's a big gap between what we read in Scripture about the Holy Spirit and how most believers in churches operate today. In many modern churches, you would be stunned by the apparent absence of the Spirit in any manifest way. And this, I believe, is the crux of the problem. Last week, I mentioned that in certain traditions, if you grew up in church world, there is uh, certain traditions that's Father, Son, and Holy Bible. We don't talk about the spirit because that's kind of weird and we've seen some YouTube videos and we're not so sure about all that kind of stuff, right? And here's the thing, just like that gray wolf that had been pulled out of its natural habitat and it it created this diminishing effect. I believe that the very presence of God in empowering his believers by the Holy Spirit, when he is allowed to to flow freely in the church again, we will see everything begin to flourish. So, how do we welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit in our church. Well, that's what I wanna talk about today in the great gift exchange. If you have a Bible, if you wanna turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, we're gonna be looking at Paul addressing the Corinthian church about this exact subject, this power and presence of the Holy Spirit in the church. We're gonna read in 12 verse one, just a little bit of background. This was a church in Corinth that was kinda jacked up. If you start reading all the things that he's having to correct in the church, I mean, there were sexual issues, there were um, drunkenness, there was all kinds of things happening inside of the church. And he's having to go back in in this lengthy letter and correct a lot of things. And it was a church that honestly had gone a little bit crazy charismatic. Right? It said when they came together, everyone was, was speaking in tongues and everyone was prophesying and all this kind of stuff. And in, in the midst of a church that had gone wild with the Holy Spirit, like probably to the nth degree, Paul doesn't put the brakes on and be like, don't do that anymore. In fact, he just says, no, 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 no. I want you to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, but you need love and you need order. So... Let's pick this up together in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. That word unaware could be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware or ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, that word pagan, that literally means that anyone who does not worship the true God. When you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's given them a litmus test like, okay, as we begin to talk about this, I want you to know that no one by the Spirit of God will ever say Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So this is a litmus test for them. And now he begins to explain. Verse four, now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Verse seven, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. And one and the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. So I wanna just draw your eyes this morning to a few things in this passage. If you go back to, to verse four of, of, um, of this Chapter You'll see he says these phrases, there are different gifts, and then he says, there are different ministries and there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Everybody say, each person, each person. Okay, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person. Let's say, each person. And then in verse 11, one and the same spirit is active in all these dis- distributing to each person as he wills. Let's say that one more time. Each person. Now, do you see what Paul's doing here? He's making it very, very clear for us. He doesn't say you might be given a spiritual gifting for the common good. Maybe if you're lucky, if you're one of the really spiritual people, in the church, you'll get a spiritual gift. When you graduate, when you prove to God that you're not a total nincompoop, right, when you get to that point, you will finally be given a spiritual gift. No, 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 no. He says something here that to each person, God has given a gifting, a spiritual gifting. If you're taking notes this morning, I just want you to write this, like write it big in all caps. I want you to write this, I have a spiritual gift. I have a spiritual gift. I want you to that, okay? From the word of God, not me. From this passage right here, he's telling us that I, you, have a spiritual gift from God. You absolutely have one. You don't, it's not that you might have one. You have a spiritual gift. He uses the word manifestation now that's not a word that you probably use every day in your life so it's probably good to remind ourselves of what that means i'll i'll give you a negative example if i'm in a situation um, let's just say like my kids are fighting like that never happens in my home but let's just throw out a hypothetical that maybe my kids would fight every now and then all right so my children are fighting and i'm getting that feeling inside of like oh this is really frustrating me i wish they would stop fighting like why do they do that to each other why and it's escalating right so this situation is getting worse in inside of me i'm getting angry because they're fighting now if i don't in some healthy way say boys stop fighting boys separate right if if I don't in some healthy way deal with this growing feeling inside of me it's going to manifest which is going to be like a yell or a you know something like I'm going to get really angry because there's something inside of me that will come out see whatever is inside of you will eventually come out and here's the thing when you said yes to Jesus, right? When, when you put your faith in him, when you were able to say by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is Lord, when you make that your life confession, the, the, the scriptures teach us that the spirit of God is a deposit, a seal, guarant, guaranteeing what is to come. That you are filled with this inexpressible joy that comes from the very presence of God dwelling within you. And because of that dwelling of God within you, you have now been activated in spiritual gifts. You have been given something. You have a spiritual gift. And when the spirit of God is working in you, it comes out it comes out, in some way you begin to find a gifting that God has given to you. It's a public display, a manifestation of the Spirit's work. This term spiritual gift, it, it literally just means any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Any ability empowered by the Holy Spirit that is used in any ministry of the church. Now there are all kinds of gifts that he lists and we're gonna look at some in a minute, but before we go there, I just wanna point out this word when he says there are different kinds of of gifts. That word gift comes from a Greek word called charisma. And that Greek word is where we get charisma or, or charismatic. Right? If you've heard that term talking about a church that maybe uses spiritual, spiritual giftings, you would say, well, that's a charismatic church. Well, here's what the word charis means. The word charis actually means grace. It's a grace gift. And if you grew up in, in Sunday school, you, you've maybe heard the G-R-A-C-E. Have you ever heard that before? God's riches at Christ's expense. A grace is anything good that, you, that you've received that you didn't deserve. That's what a grace is. Anything good that you've ever received that you, you didn't deserve. This gifting is a grace. In fact, that's my point too, is that my gift, my spiritual gift, is a grace. My gift is a grace. Grace. Here's the thing, when we understand that our gifts are a grace, like we didn't earn them, we don't deserve them, I think it kind of corrects some things inside of us. The first thing that I think it corrects is that we realize that it really wasn't about us earning the gifting. Right? It, we, we didn't graduate to the level, it's, it's just something that God gives us. And what that means is that if you're a brand new believer, like if you just started walking with God, you already have a gift. And if you've been a believer for years and decades, you have a gift. You never retire from the church, you were always active in your giftings. Every one of us has them. The other thing it corrects in us is this idea that spiritual gifts equal spiritual maturity. You see, spiritual gifts do not equal spiritual maturity. If if it's a grace and you didn't earn it and you didn't attain it, that means that you can be a, a very, a spiritually immature person, like you're still learning You don't know all the Bible verses yet, but you're you're reading and you're learning and you're learning to pray and, and you don't have maybe the seasoned that maybe some of your older brothers and sisters in Christ might have. But still, right then at that very moment, you have a spiritual gift. This also means that if you see somebody who's very fruitful, right? Maybe someone that is, um, they have a gift of, of, of evangelism. And it's like they go out and they talk to someone and they're like, yeah, I, I prayed for 10 people today. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I just, like I never pray for anyone. How do you do that? Right? You start feeling guilty. You're like, oh my gosh, these people are so gifted. And you think that because they're gifted, they must be spiritually mature people. And yet, sometimes we reveal our lack of maturity, right? We say things, we do things that are just not godly. And yet, if you think that someone is spiritually gifted and that means they're spiritually mature, you'll, you'll misunderstand that when someone, even though they're fruitful in ministry, they still have growing to do. They're not perfect, right? Spiritual gifting does not equal spiritual maturity, so, I want to look at this list together, and I, I want to, Jordan, do you mind putting that on the screen for us? I have a list of all the gifts that are listed, because this is not the only place that the gifts are listed in the Bible. We, we look at this list and think, well, this must be the only list. Well, actually, Paul and other, like we see Peter here as well, they, they reference gifts all throughout the New Testament. So, in Romans 12, 6 through 8, he's, he lists prophecy, serving Teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, and mercy. In 1 Corinthians 7 7, he talks about marriage and he talks about celibacy. Any, any singles in the room just praying for the gift of celibacy? Any, anyone? No? No, I, we have some of our singles out in the hallway still there. They're not here to laugh at my jokes. All right, 1 Corinthians 12: eight through 10. Number one, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing. Miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits' tongues, interpretation of tongues. First Corinthians 12:28. He lists apostle, prophet teacher miracles kinds of healings helps administration in tongues Ephesians 4:11 apostle prophet evangelist pastor shepherd teacher And then 1 Peter, I love how Peter just kind of like, he just like gives us some blanket. He's like, whoever speaks, meaning uh, any any gift that you have that would be spoken, right? You know, if you're teaching, encouraging, prophesying, word of wisdom, he just kind of gives a blanket. And then he says, whoever renders service. So if it helps, administration, leadership, all these kinds of things, right? These are all the gifts that are listed in the scripture. Now, if you were to go home and you were to go on YouTube and be like, I'm gonna look up spiritual giftings on YouTube. What you're gonna find is like really amazing, miraculous things. You're gonna see somebody who um, maybe he, they pray for someone to be healed and that person gets healed. Or you're gonna see like somebody give this crazy prophetic word or, or they're gonna have a gift of, of, of this word of knowledge or word of, you're gonna see something spectacular but you're probably not gonna see someone who has the gift of service. And they're like, man, on that 52nd turn when he was mowing his neighbor's lawn, like I just got goosebumps. Like the Spirit of God was just moving. When he was weed eating that guy's sidewalk, it was just like the hair stood up on my neck, right? We don't, we don't look at those things. Like when she was planning, the, she had that administrative gift and she's planning all the volunteers for that, that project. I was just like, I was overcome by the spirit. Like it was just like, we don't think of it that way. And we, here's what we have to be careful with. See, we have to be careful that we, that we honor the supernatural grace in every ability and gifting. We have to honor it. We have to see the person that serves and say, "Man, praise God, that's the, that's the gift of service." We have to see the administrator or the leader and say, "Man, praise God, they are using their gift. That is a grace to our body." On the other end of the spectrum. We cannot dishonor the miraculous gifts. We need to honor the supernatural grace in every gift, but at the same time, we don't want to dishonor the more miraculous gifts of the Spirit. Have you ever experienced a miracle? Have you ever experienced the giftedness of someone who was able to speak something, a timely word in your life? Have you ever seen that kind of power of God operating in the church? When I was in college, I was in a philosophy class, uh, philosophy 1310, and I... uh, I was in a class with a professor who was very much not a believer. In fact, he thought anyone who believed in Jesus was a total moron, right? You, you clearly had not thought deeply about your faith or about life. And so his point over and over and over again was to kind of, kind of jab at the Christian faith. And unfortunately for me, there was a girl that was a part of our college ministry that sat behind me, and every time he would say something negative about the Christian faith, she would kick my chair. Here's what that meant, man up. Like, this dude's talking smack about our faith. You need to man up and say something. And so what I would do, she would kick my chair and be like, oh, gosh, okay. Like, I would, probably wasn't even paying attention fully to what he said, but I would just raise my hand. Every time, I'd raise my hand, and at the beginning of the semester, he'd be like, yes, sir, you, and I would say, uh, I just want you to know that I disagree with your point about Christianity being wrong and blah, blah, blah. And I would just kind of like say some things and, and try to be like, uh, okay, uh, you can be seated, right? And I would, I would sit down and then throughout the semester he would keep saying things. He would kick my chair and then I'd raise my hand. And then as the semester went on, he'd be like, I'm not calling on that guy. Like, he, like I, I, I know exactly what he's going to say. I disagree with what you just said about Christianity. So I would persevere, I'd raise my hand, and it would start to get tired, and so I'd hold it up, and then I would raise the other hand, and then I would just kind of like, and it, like I would literally hold it for 15 minutes in the air of this class, and finally, he, I'd wear him down. He would have to call on me, and he would call on me, and I would talk, and I'd say, I just want you to know that that's absolutely false, what you said, right? And this goes on throughout the entire semester. And inside, even though I'm trying to be the warrior for God, right? inside my faith started to get really, really weak. I didn't, I didn't want to tell my friends, I didn't want to tell anyone that I was struggling, I was doubting with my, with my faith, but I really was deep down inside. So in the midst of that time period, there was a conference going on at our church. And I'd heard about the conference. I knew these guys had spiritual giftings and they were gonna be ministering to people and there's gonna be worship. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go check it out. And so I go to this conference and there's worship and worship's great. The worship team's playing and we're all singing and it's awesome. And you could sense like the power of God among us as we're singing and worshiping. Well, then a man steps up to the microphone and they're gonna begin to minister. And he says... Someone here is struggling in their mind. And I'm sitting there like waiting for someone to get up. I'm like, who's, who's it going to be? Who's, who's struggling in their mind today? Like I'm, I'm waiting, no one's getting up. And I'm like, no one's getting up. Wait a minute. And the spirit of God just kind of nudges me. You're the one struggling. I walk up to the front. And I just come forward. I didn't say a word he just begins to speak to me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know my story. This was before Facebook. Like He, didn't know, like he had no clue who I was. And he just began to tell me, your, your questions are, are not, your, your God is big enough for your questions. You need to bring your questions straight to him. He will answer your questions. He wants to restore you inside. He wants to speak to the doubts inside. you. He begins to just speak to me and I am just breaking down. I'm weeping as I just sense that this 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 man has a gift by the Spirit of God to speak a word, to know exactly what's going on inside of my heart. He had a miraculous gift. It was a spontaneous revelation by God to speak to me. And it was just that little thing of God saying, No, 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 no. I'm real and I'm here. I'm real and I'm here. Don't be discouraged bring your questions to me you see we, we we can't dishonor the 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 gifts of of helps and administration we have to acknowledge the supernatural grace and yet at the same time we don't want to dishonor the miraculous working the revealing of our God he's given you a gift and it's a grace my last point is this My gifts are given for the good of others. God's given you a gift, and it's going to be a joy for you to use that gift. You're going to feel like God is using you. You're going to be so grateful that you get to serve, but here's the deal. You have to use it for someone else. The moment that we begin to use spiritual gifts as a competition or a comparison to say, oh, I must be really spiritual if I can do this, right? That's when everything begins to sour as the flesh enters back into what is spiritual God wants us to use our gifts for the good of others. In verse 7, he says it this way to us. Let's read this in chapter 12, verse 7. He says, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. He's going to give you a gift that you're going to use and you're going to build up somebody else. You're going to speak a word. You're going to serve them. You're going to do something for them. God's going to use you, and it's going to encourage somebody. It's going to build them up. First Peter 4.10 says, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. You see, your gift, your ability, the spirit-empowered ability that you have is something that you and I have to steward. It's, It's something that's entrusted to us. And we must use it wisely and invest it in other people for their good. This requires three things for us. It requires a posture of humility. That's where we empty ourselves out of ourselves. I was in uh, Cuba last year. We, we went on a trip, a mission trip, to be with these uh, ministers who are starting house churches in Cuba. It's, it's amazing because Cuba is communist. They have state-controlled churches, and that obviously alters what they can and cannot teach. There's, there's a, a, you know they're, They have to be careful there about what they teach. And so there's been a movement, this kind of grassroots movement of pastors starting house churches in their homes that are, they're off the grid. They're not uh, official state churches. And so we're there meeting with these pastors. It's, it's kind of cool. It's like spy stuff where you have to kind of sneak into the country and they ask you like, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Oh, okay. You know, so it's like you, you use code words to get in and out of the country We're there, and we're with these national leaders. I mean, these are the guys that when you see them, you're like, oh, man, these dudes are legit. Like, they just have that thing about them. You can just tell these guys are really amazing people. And we're praying with them in this gathering. And as we're praying, like, we would sing a song in English, and they would sing a song in Spanish. And even the songs in Spanish, like, I don't know what I'm singing, but I just love this. Like, the Spirit of God is moving. Like, I'm just enjoying this, right? And we're singing, and we're praying, and we're praying. And as we're praying, I begin to see something. See, one of the national leaders, he's like one of the leaders of this movement as I was praying and I was looking at him not with my physical eyes but in my in my spirit I began to see a cloudiness over his heart I was kind of like what what's going on here like what is what is this I didn't say anything, I went back to the hotel that night, and the guys that were leading our trip, I went to him and said, hey, this is gonna sound really weird, but when we were praying, I just saw a cloudiness over his heart, and I think maybe it's something physical, like, like I think God's trying to tell him something about his health, and they're like, well, I mean, let's just go talk to him about it. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, you want me to go say this to him? Like, I'm this, you know, this guy from Texas that comes to Cuba and prays, and I start seeing, like, weird things with his health, and I want to speak some sort of, like, bad omen over this guy, right? And they're like, no, let's, let's go talk to him. And so the next day, they're giving us a little tour, and we're about to depart, and right before we depart, I pull him aside, and I said, you know, you get those butterflies when you know you have to, like, say something like this, and it's like... When we were praying yesterday, I just I felt like I saw a cloudiness over your heart. And I feel like maybe the Lord is saying something about your health. He said, Wow, I went to the heart doctor last about three or four months ago, and I, I was having some complications, but I never went back to go get my results of my test. I think God's telling me to go back to the doctor and get the results of my tests. You see, that was like a wow moment of like, okay, I'm not totally nuts here. Like I saw this and I stepped out there, but what that required of me was humility. Like I have to put my reputation on the line and say, you no, know, I I was praying and I saw this and I, and it took humility for me. You see, to begin to function in the gift that God has given you, it requires a humility. We have to empty out ourselves and our reputations. It also requires vulnerability. It's where we say, I'm learning. I may not get this totally right, but I feel like the Lord is prompting me in this, and I just wanted to do this, or or to to ask you, or to pray this for you, and it requires this vulnerability of us to say, "Mm, I'm learning, okay, I'm learning. The last thing that this requires of us is it requires a posture of faith. And I think this is where the rubber begins to meet the road in our life because we have to step out on faith. We have to move out of our comfort zone to be used by God in one another's lives. So you might be thinking, like, how do I know what my gifts are, right? Okay, yeah, we all have a gift, great, got it. It's a grace, got it, cool. Right. We need to use it to serve others, cool, great. What is it? What's my gift, how do I know? Um, this past Saturday, we were out on the soccer field. This is our life right now. We have three boys, and so all we do is go to the soccer fields on Saturday. We had two games out there, and it's fun. I love watching my kids play soccer. And what I'm seeing, I'm, I'm learning about soccer. I'm an American, so I don't know anything about soccer. And apparently, there are positions that they play, and they have, like, special roles, and there's more to it than just kicking a ball and a goal, right? So I'm learning all this about soccer. And what I'm seeing is that they're in practice— Right, they're, they're seeing some different gifts that the kids have. They're seeing some strengths. Right, not everyone's a goalie, but someone's a goalie, and they're actually good at being a goalie. Not everyone is a forward, but some of them are really, really great, Not everyone is a defensive player, but some of them are great. See, in practice, the coach is seeing some things, and he's beginning to organize the team and say, no, no, you go there, you do that, you go here, you play goalie, and when everyone begins to find their place, the team gets stronger because everyone's doing the thing that they're actually most capable of doing. I think that's kind of like how we discover Our gifts. We actually have to get involved in the church in a way that we begin to interact with people. And when someone says, Hey, um, I'm I've got a need over here, and there's that prompting, and it's like, I think I should do something about that need they just listed. Like I need to go serve them, or I need to give them some money, or I need to, you know, I need to come and help that person. Or or someone who's ill and you're like, you know, I, I think we should go, we should go give them a meal. We should go bless them with the meal, or when you begin to pray with your house church, right? You begin to pray with these people and you're praying for one another and throughout the week you begin to pray for them and then as you're praying, you're just like, Lord, do you have anything that I just need to go speak to them or or any specific prayer that you want me to pray for them? We begin to practice the gifts and what you're gonna find is that God's gonna reveal it to you. He's gonna show you where you fit in the body of Christ by practicing our gifts. So I wanna encourage you, if you're not a part of a house church, we'd love for you to be a part of a house church. We have three house churches that meet uh, throughout the week. We're on Wednesday nights. We have one at my house, one at the Lambert's house that they are leading with the Zapitas. We also have uh, Zach and Allison who lead with uh, with Glenn. It's a group for young adults. And we would love for you to come and practice with us to learn how to be the church together. Um, there's an a, uh, a, a tradition that we have of the white elephant gift. Have y'all ever done white elephant gift parties, right? You've probably all done that before where everybody brings something. And there's two approaches. One approach is like, find the most useless thing in your house and then bring it, right? the like, you know, here's a, some, someone actually brought a ceramic white elephant one time. It's like, no one's like, that's so useless. It's like a humorous kind of a gift, right? We all probably have some crazy things that, we, that we've received. I actually got two kittens that were wrapped in a cage one time as my white elephant gift, right? That's what I, I came home with. But here's my approach, and I think this is better. You can try this out at your next white elephant gift party. I try to find the coolest thing I can find, right? I'm going to go on Amazon or wherever. I'm going to go to a store. I'm going to find something really cool. But here's my favorite part of the white elephant gift is everybody's fighting over that. Like, I want that gift, or right? I want that gift. See, the thing about the church is it's kind of like that. It's a gift exchange. Everybody comes with something to give, but everyone leaves with a gift, right? We all come with something, and yet we all leave with something. We are the church. You have a gift. That gift is a grace, and it's to be used to serve someone else. I wanna encourage you to bring it, bring it, and bless someone. Let me pray for us this morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin churchorg